Welcome to Relatable with Ash, where we talk about all things mindset, wellness, relationships, and empowerment. Did you want to shut the door? Oh, could I? Oh, it actually echoes pretty bad. And we're filming. All right, welcome back to Relatable. Although I've probably already introduced us by now, but uh, back by popular demand, we have Sir Chasington. Say hello. 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 So I got a couple of requests. <laughs> I love how I'm knighted. <laughs> Sir Chasington. I got a couple of requests to. Um, Sorry, I'm very highly caffeinated right now. I'm like, and I also just did yoga, so I feel like I'm very hyper, but also really mellow at the same time, and my brain is super relaxed. But I got a, a couple of requests of topics for us to talk about, and what I wanted to start off with was marriage. So I'm not Christian. Chaz, is, would you identify? You wouldn't identify as Christian. Yeah, like I, I would say that like the cultural context in which we grew up in is Christian um, as like a society as a whole. Um, so probably lean more towards Christianity than anything as a religious context. But I, yeah, I wouldn't call myself a, a Christian because I feel like that would take away from what Christians are actually striving to achieve because um, I don't hold a lot of the values well, not like I hold majority of the values align with what there are, but there's some of them that I differentiate um, with. And yeah, I don't know. Like some Christians would probably be like, yeah, I'm exactly like Chaz. And then some of them would be like, no, I, I'm really like hard for whatever this portion of the Bible says. And mm. so like, I guess there's different levels of it. Um, there is that's true but yeah i'm definitely not attending church on sundays or anything like that so yeah yeah that's true and i guess i have a very similar thing like my parents were both raised catholic and although they didn't get me baptized and they were very adamant on letting me decide what i wanted to do belief wise a lot of the values that i grew up with and carry even to this day are based on Catholicism and Christianity, just all the good parts, I suppose. Um, but I, I say that because that was something that was brought up to me by a listener who's like, I, I, I'd love to know um, your stance on marriage, especially coming from a non-Christian background, I suppose. I mean, like, you know, being a, a devout Christian, I suppose. Because, and we've talked about this before, the idea that marriage is very much a Christian uh, thing. Although when I looked at... It's up, a religious thing. Religious thing. Although when I did some research for like my upcoming program, marriage was around before religion. Mm. And a lot of it was about uh, preservation mm -hmm. of you, of your, your family, your group, of you know, women being protected, but also the men having um, a woman to tend to the home and look up, raise kids and all of that. This is millions of years ago. Um, and it kind of evolved from their marriage, I suppose. You know, it came, it became, uh, okay, it started pragmatic and it became 
pragmatic is that the right word like practical it was practical mm -hmm. and then it became about i can't remember the exact order uh love and then people married for the practical side and love but also sex and then people married for the practical side love sex friendship and so marriage has become this really really huge uh group of all of it yeah i guess the ending the ending there being what we kind of marry for today is like essentially everything which makes the value of marriage so much more important because people are asking to get so much more out of it than they ever did before which makes it a really hard thing to do really well because there's so many huge principles that people are trying to input onto marriage um, so what Ashley's trying to get there is at one point you married because it was for the better of you personally and your family and that might be just securing a safe place to live and a wealthy husband or perhaps even a wealthy wife depending on what society you may have come from and obviously like your easiest depiction of that is nobles marrying nobles mm. and kings marrying queens and things like that and that was all just based off the principle of carrying the family name and carrying wealth through the next generation and that was a huge principle by behind why marriage was a thing and people weren't really choosing because of love or they weren't choosing because they were super attracted to the other person mm -hmm. but now we put all of those values onto marriage which is awesome and it makes it a really cool thing but at the same time when you're asking so much from something it also inevitably is going to have weak points in it as well mm, yeah it can become a bit of a burden if you place all your expectations on one person and even in terms of you know adding this friendship aspect to it yes we're we're friends you are my best friend but i Ooh. can't <laughs> Woo. i can't place all my needs from a friend onto you mm-hmm you can't, you can't do that to any one friend. You can't expect them to fulfill all your needs, mm. which is a huge thing. Um, we got real deep real fast, and I love that. But I want to start off with your views on marriage when we first met. Where were they at? Because they're very different to what well, I feel as though they're very different to where they are now. Yeah, when we first met, I definitely didn't want to get married in the traditional sense that we view marriage now. Um, I guess I was very anti-government having their hand in my business. And I think it's super annoying to constantly have some kind of oversight controlled by an outside body that is being a pain in the butt and kind of dictating how and what you're going to do with your life um and so is it you keep going oh, it stopped keep being going. red for a second um and yeah so i kind of was seeing as it like oh well this is a way in which like if something goes wrong or whatever it might be there's this outside body that's going to kind of control how the situation is going to play out and unfortunately, in today's society, I think men get like a really hard go of it when it comes to divorce, mm. particularly because they, a lot of the time, make a lot of the money and 
they can end up usually having a much significantly larger split occurring on their end and they end up losing a lot of their wealth mm. and it's not like the ideally it's 50 50 split if something goes wrong but i i personally think that a lot of the time it doesn't end up being a 50 50 split and men end up going perhaps like a, a 60 40 okay well we can't we can't say that for sure but what we do know is that there is a, in divorce there is a lot of splits that don't always leave the men um talking highly of divorce i suppose or feeling like um things are fair so the marriage and it has become yes when you look at it from a legal perspective which it is marriage is a contract it it's it's sticky it's sticky if it doesn't work out yeah and that's exactly the the control over marriage i don't enjoy because i like it's a very personal relation uh, a personal deal you're making with someone else and then there's all these other parties that can just put their hand in it and let's say you do split and then you got lawyers who want like this huge cut and so let's Mm -hmm. say you are splitting and you're like yeah we're going to split everything down the middle but what you don't forget well what people forget is you're splitting everything down the middle and you're paying a lawyer and then if you're the one who's making more of the money you're paying for her lawyer too and paying for something like that that can drag out for a whole entire year is a lot of freaking money on top of what it might be if you were to just be able to cut it down the middle and work it out between each other. But obviously there's a huge reason why you need lawyers to come in. Like if there's a, a really toxic thing that's happened between you and you just can't deal with the other person, fair or enough. Or it's dangerous. Or it's dangerous to deal with the other person. Yeah, which is more than fair enough. At the same time, like revenge in that moment can really, really go badly for the guy. And especially if there's kids involved, I feel like the the courts appear to lean towards the female being the more care, like the, the, the primary caregiver rather than the male. And so a lot of the time custody will swing their way. And so as a man who's just like lost everything if you're a middle-aged guy and you've lost everything i think it's also a bit harder to probably find a partner rather than a a woman a woman like she might have like a little more value um to other men rather than like a a single middle-aged man having more value to women but obviously i'm making huge generalizations here i do want to pipe in on that because when you do look at a lot of Older men who end up becoming single, they actually, from what we see, do end up having younger, can go for younger wives. Like women are, even young women, more open to the age thing, in my opinion. And also when you do look at it, and I know this is kind of how you can, you see it now as well. When you look at it as though the husband, that they've gotten married the man says, yes, I agree. I'm going to make the money. You stay home, look after the kids. You've been married for like 20 years. And then all of a sudden you want a divorce. That woman has no work on her resume. When you're agreeing to say, yes, I, I'm going to do the work. That's when 
the 50-50 split is kind of fair because you are tending to the home. And I know you've, you've spoken to me ab about this before, about the idea, you know, if I was to be a stay-at-home mum, you would support me and that, you know, you wouldn't 50-50 split with me. You even want to put my name on, like, the house that you're buying. Whether or not I think that's a good financial idea or not is another story. Um, but yes, as you can see, Chaz has had and does have a very uh, logical view of marriage. I don't know if logical is the right word, but analytical, critical? I don't know. I think I've just, I've critically analyzed it a lot and I've got probably like, a, I feel like a, a well-justified position for why I have, have had those views. Mm. Uh, but like Ashley said, those are like more of my views of the past and I still believe some of them into a sense, mm. like to a degree. But however, right now, I our relationship has gotten so much further than what it was when we first um, met each other. And I do believe, like what I honestly believe right now is the value that Ashley is going to be bringing to just being the primary caregiver working, you know, her, her business end as well, which is going to take off and sh she's crushing it. Mm -hmm. um, but also being that stay-at-home mom slash working her own business, entrepreneur, CEO, woman. <laughs> but and me going out and working the full-time gig in order to bring home the majority of the bread, for the for time now. being anyway, <laughs> it's looking like she'll probably end up being the, the bringing home the bread and I'll end up probably being the primary caregiver anyway. So we'll, we'll see. Fun. Yeah, which is fun. But like, even if it was to just be the way it was right now, the value she's going to be bringing to my family is just as valuable as what I'm going to be bringing home in, in money. And if not mm. exponentially more valuable because she's going to be instilling the principles and teachings into my children, which you can't put a price on that. Mm. And so at the end of the day, even if we did split and she needed to therefore go out on her own and she took 50 percent of everything we own or you gave or well yeah she, she yeah given is probably a much better yeah term there so i we we split our valuables 50 50 mm -hmm. she in a way is also going to have a harder harder road of it because jumping into a career at that point if she wasn't doing all the things she's already doing right now like she's upskilling like no nobody else is i've, I've never seen anyone do like so much personal professional development um she would be more than fine to get any job she wanted if we did break up but let's say she wasn't doing everything she she's doing right now which a lot of women would wouldn't have the time to be doing because they might have already kids right now or something like that or a different career path yeah, yeah but it, or if you're full-time it doesn't matter but i'm talking about if you're the stay-at-home carer for your kids mm -hmm. you're not getting industry skills and even though there's heaps of obviously skills that go into yeah. being a parent like for instance like you've got to be able to time manage in order to get your kids to school on time in order to, for them to be at the right events on time you got to be able to know when the parent-teacher interview is you got to be able to know what time tim is got soccer practice emotional and intelligence you, you're dealing with all these things and then once you've dropped the kids off you've essentially got five hours to ensure the house is not a complete bomb which is a hard task in itself <laughs> even kids. with just two of us right now <laughs> yeah. right like 
I try and help out as much as I can, but Ashley definitely is pulling um, more of the, the home care load um, than I am. But those, those skills she's missing out on in the, in the career path, and you essentially have to start from the bottom if a divorce happens. Mm. And you're looking at really low-income jobs because no one wants to take you because you don't have like perhaps a managerial experience um in a certain area and therefore you on paper yeah on paper and then you're having to apply for these you know 20 30 dollar per hour jobs but now you're split you got to rent by yourself maybe if you're lucky enough and you accrued enough wealth you might you might be able to purchase a house but now you got a big home loan you're only making 50k a year and you've got kids to feed and then you got to find somehow a time to get like a, a new date life in or whatever it might be. It's just like mm. an absolute nightmare. Whereas the guy, he's worked the whole time. He's probably going to be, if, you, if you're living in Australia and you've just put in some basic work and you come from particularly like a, just a, a white middle class background, you're going to be making six figures very easily if you've just worked until you're 40. Like if you're not making six figures, you probably haven't tried hard enough. Yeah. Like you it, haven't it's, yeah. worked up the, the rung. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you've just, you've, you've probably taken the easy route too, too many times. But yeah, it's the value. You can't put a value on... How, how much he's done for you and your family. And they do have a harder go of it if if the split does happen. And that's why single mums mm. who end up in that situation, they get so much props and pats on the back from society. Well... And like in a way, like not as in like you're actually getting a helping hand, but people like who see a single mum, they're always... The, the, the term is always like, wow, like, it's amazing you're able to just handle all of that. Like, no one's really giving you a helping hand. But they they do, the the impression you get is that's got to be hard. Yeah. And and you do get, like, props for just pushing through and drudging that out. Mm. Because there there is a noble cause there in just trying to be the best mother you could possibly be, even if you're single. Like, that's a super hard task. And... I don't wish that on anyone. Like the family structure is so important. Yeah. I um I don't think that single mums feel as though we are giving them props because they are just trying to survive. They're trying to make money, they're trying to be a good mum and they're torn between two worlds. And so I think this is a good opportunity for us to anytime we see a single mum who's working hard or really trying to raise their kids the best or a mixture of both actually you know celebrating them to their face because I don't think we do it enough I feel that way when I see single mums doing that mm-hmm. um, and when I have beauty clients come in and they're you know, like you know I'm trying to study and I'm, I'm trying to raise kids at the same time I'm like you are fucking amazing mm. and being able to actually say that to their face would mean so much even if they don't receive it well mm-hmm. they'll think about that later um, and I want to I wanna switch gears up a little bit, not entirely, but my view on marriage I'd like to dive into because it was very different to how yours was and is. And it triggered me a lot when you used to say those things to me. Yeah. Because my idea of marriage, obviously, fairy tale princess marriage, oh my God, it means I'm loved and I'm worthy of love. And um, I was like really considering the the fact that 
well, if he doesn't want to get married, do I even want to go along with this? But I followed my heart and it ended up working out in the long run because we are married now. Woo. Uh, woo. But because we were able to have those conversations that were quite difficult for me, it brought us to a bit of a middle ground, which we didn't actually realize we both came to. I was coming to a point where I was like, no, I actually see he's making some really valid points. And it's not just, you know, this fairy tale love happiness um, I suppose maybe that view is skewed by the marriage between my parents as well. I see the realities of marriage and that really occurred for me after you proposed. Mm. I was like, shit, this is real. And, mm. you know, someone who went from, oh my God, I can't wait to be married and it's going to be so beautiful and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden reality hit me, which I don't think a lot of people entirely acknowledge mm. that it's so... There is so much to marriage beyond the the fact that it's a legal contract. Like everything that we've already discussed, pretty much. Is there something you want to say? Yeah, well, I guess what you're alluding to there is a lot of people, they go into marriage with the fairy tale image in their head. And if you're only considering the the positive sides and aspects of it, and you haven't actually had a good hard think about what could possibly go wrong here, then how are you supposed to actually be able to course correct when those things do inevitably go wrong? Mm. And so you've got to be really, really open with your partner in understanding them and their core values and beliefs and ensuring those things line up with what your core values and beliefs are before you start thinking, I'm going to jump into this long-term contract with another person because if you don't have that foundation there between the two of you and you've mm. talked about things such as like what's what is considered flirting between you and another individual mm-hmm. and like where do we draw that line Boundaries. or how like who gets to have all the money like do we have split accounts yeah. do you have joint accounts yeah. like those things are really important to discuss um some people might even be like hey do we like sleep in the same bedroom do we have separate bedrooms like that would be some couples some couples might even have like i know of people who have arrangements where they have completely different apartments Mm -hmm. which is like super weird as well um but like i understand it yeah well it kind of would be exciting in a sense i've actually like weirdly fantasized about it me too me too yeah because like imagine if you just like throughout the work week you don't see your wife for the whole week and they don't have to deal with your bullshit of you being tired after work and stressed and then when they see you you two are just like can't wait to essentially (laughs) ravage each other well it's it's true it's true because like and i've this is a lot of the the study that i've been doing but love requires time and connection but desire requires time and space apart and i know that's hard Mm. to believe for you um, I know we've talked about this before, but, and it is true. You, and also the desire part is a part of the foundation of love as well, at least to me anyway. Um, and you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder or whatever the saying is. Um, I can, I can see how that works, but even in everything that we've discussed right now, there are people who might be listening who have not thought about these things or have not brought them up with their partner or don't want to talk about them at all. And it's quite triggering. Um, 
I was gonna ask you, and I, I'll still ask you, but I don't know if you're the right person to ask just because you're pretty open anyway. What would you say to someone who is nervous to bring up even like a fantasy to their partner or bring up, bringing up a boundary or um, even any of the topics we've discussed? Oh yeah, that that's definitely like an uncomfortable one. Like if you, it's probably a bit of an alarm signal already if you're like nervous to ask your partner about something that you might qualify as Important. a need for your happiness. Mm. Um, I don't think a fantasy fits into that bubble all that well. Like that that could be something pretty wild if it's if it's a fantasy. Well, so it maybe that have to could be, be sexual. Well, yeah, when you, when you say fantasy, I immediately go into that realm, I guess. So maybe that's just my own prejudice. Mm. And um, maybe I'm just like a bit of a pervert. In that mm, sense. You're not. <laughs> you're not at all. Most people think uh, when no, I say I'm, fantasy, most yeah. people think that. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just joking. Okay. Um, <laughs> 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 you pervert. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a perverted thought if you go there. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, perverted um, has But it, yeah. I think 99% of dudes are going to have that thought immediately when you say fantasy. But yeah, it is important. Like if you have a, a need and it's something that you feel as though you require from your partner to ensure that that's going to work in your relationship. For instance, it might be um, something small could be you, you're at a restaurant and you've finished up and who's going to pay the bill. And if you're someone who values the 50-50 split, but you always just pay for it because you feel like that's the morally right thing to do, but really you're cheating yourself every time because this is something you've not discussed with your partner. And maybe it feels heavy and you're starting to resent them. Yeah, and that will build over time. So that resentment, every time you choose to cheat yourself over having that open discussion, then you're you're only selling yourself each time. And that that is something that will inevitably build distance between you and your partner. And those little nigglings that arise and you, you'll notice them because you, everyone has like a inbuilt compass, I think. And it, it, of course it's like developed from your upbringing. Um, mm -hmm. And then there's also, like I spoke on the last podcast, there's like uh, experiential truths that we all kind of just have innately within us. Um, that I think are universal but your upbringing is going to dictate those boundaries that you do have and if you if you don't if you don't discuss them they will eat you up inside and they will inevitably put a wedge in between you and your loved one mm -hmm. and something that I really believe that everyone should go through whether you're getting married or not um, maybe you've been together a long time is couples counseling and we did that sorry i just needed to move we did that because at the time a lot of stuff was coming up for me around marriage i was also going through a really hard time um but a lot of i was i was triggered a lot by the idea of marriage you know my parents dynamic came up to me and the reality of marriage was hitting me and so I asked you if we could go to couples counselling and you were willing to do so, so we did. And although we're very open and in the self-growth and self-development world, I think couples counselling really, really propelled us forward mm. in terms of 
getting deeper with each other and and really for me cementing the idea that yeah actually this is this is something I want this is someone that I can I can spend the rest of my life with even the fact that you just came to couples counseling was enough for me I think Mm. (laughs) to be quite honest with you but the fact that we went multiple times was amazing and and that's something that you know if you're a devout Christian and you're part of a church, you you naturally have to go through that process with the church. If you're not, I just, I would highly recommend it. And I guess, especially for the males listening, I want to hear your perspective on couples counselling before marriage, or even if you've been together for a really long time. And yeah. Yeah, well, I'd like to give some context to this as well, because inevitably um, our relationship hasn't gotten to the point where it is right now without having like fuck ups. Mm. And so we've, we've learned so many things together by just making mistakes mm. and those mistakes, they, they allow us to get better mm. um, where a lot of couples go wrong. And obviously we all have like a certain line where that'll, that like a, a mistake will, will break you mm-hmm. and you can't return from. And we, we almost got there. Like mm-hmm. I like probably a year and a bit before um, pro- I proposed, I actually had like a night out where I had hooked up with another girl. I didn't sleep with her mm-hmm. just to make that clear, but yeah. I, yeah. Um, and that, that put a huge strain on our relationship and I, I kept it quiet for so long because I was in the mindset. I like after that night, I was like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever done. And I, I knew I knew in my heart I'd done the stupidest thing and I wasn't ever going to do that again. And so in that moment, I decided, well, I know for a fact I've learned my lesson already. Like I, I could tell I just like that wasn't something that I was going to do. And... I decided to just eat my own guilt and not put the burden on Ashley. And I was just going to keep that to myself forever. And I thought in my head, I justified that, that that was the morally right thing to do. Cause we were like, we were going through a little bit of a rough patch, but at the same time, like just before that, um, we were doing really, really well. And it was a really, really tough thing to go through. Eventually, like one of my closest friends, he said to me one night, we were like on our way to having, having a bit of a boys night and we were talking in the car. And I had just been, I, like I, I was discussing it with him. And he said to me, he's like, Chaz, you, you're just not the person. I don't, I, believe, I honestly believe you're not the person who can sit with that guilt your whole life. Like you just, you're, you're not that guy. It wasn't a testament to your strength. It was a testament to who you are as a person. Like you're, you're too good of a person to not share that. Yeah. And just side note, like my best mate, who was also my um, best man at my wedding, like me and him, we just have such like a special relationship where we can, we can really like, be we honest. dive deep and we, we, we be really honest with each other and we talk about a lot of our anxieties and angsts and things like that that we, we struggle with. And I really, really value his opinion because he almost always will give me the answer I haven't thought of. And like, 
like some people might be like that's the answer you don't want to necessarily hear but I, i'm i'm such like, like again like one of my rules and principles is have a growth mindset so you need someone around you that can give you that that other other side the devil's advocate opinion um and it's all about applying and so when he said that to me in the car and i was like i had justified it in my own head to a T. To a T. I was like, yeah, no, I've made the right decision on my choice to just keep this to myself and not not hurt Ashley. I had like that was that was the biggest thing for me. I, was, I just didn't want to see you go through that pain because I've experienced that pain and it's it's a horrific pain. And it's just it's just yeah, it's soul crushing. And so I had really, really thought I was like in some like obviously like some people right now are gonna be like, you fucking idiot kind of thing. Like that obviously that's not the right decision to make, but I, I had just decided that was. And when he said that to me, I just immediately had a perspective shift. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I felt it in myself. I didn't say it at the time, but that's like, that's the power of having someone like that around you who you really value their opinion. And you know, they're giving you just wholeheartedly the most honest opinion they could possibly give. And at that moment, like I had a big night after that as well. And it's, I still just remember that moment so clearly. And it, it was just like, I decided then I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm telling her. And this is either going to break us or make us better. And so I ended up telling you and it did, it did break us for a long time. And it was really hard for us to get back to where it was. And there was so much just back and forth and like me like feeling like I just couldn't understand why she couldn't shake it and her like being angry at me for not being empathetic enough because like a long time had passed and it was still like an issue. And that's the thing with something that like is hurt someone to the core so much is they're literally traumatized from it. Mm-hmm. And there's so many situations in which it's going to arise, particularly when we're like young and we still go out, things like that. And just like any girl talking to me, all of a sudden was now like alarm bells um, for Ashley. And it didn't really matter like how it, how intense I thought the situation might be. Because like a lot of the time, I just thought nothing of it. But for, for Ashley, it was like, this is someone encroaching on my man. This is a threat. And this is a threat, mm-hmm. yeah. Which is really, really, um, was really, really tough for her to go through. And props to her for even being able to push through those moments and reflect on them. And she did heaps and heaps of self-work. Like, I mean, you couldn't even count the amount of books she's read and the amount of journals I've seen her completely finished from start to end like she journals so much and this obviously was like a massive catalyst for like doubling down on that again and when we got like she it got to the point where she was like I can't I can't do this by myself Mm. and I was like doing everything I could um to also support her because like you, you just have to obviously but it got to the point where we couldn't solve this problem ourselves and she was like i want to go see a couples counselor which ended up being the best decision we've ever done as i think a couple and like the first couple sessions was kind of like honing in about 
about like me making this big fuck up. But then the like it kind of steered away from that and maybe like the four or five sessions following that and we were probably going fortnightly for a bit and then it kind of became like monthly for a couple. They just allowed us to open up and just have this insight into ourselves and each other that was so awesome I would recommend to anyone and I honestly like if you can afford it because it is expensive like any kind of counseling is expensive like you're paying for a service that I don't think people really understand the value of Mm -hmm. because we don't really talk like this with each other to that extent um, in our day-to-day lives and we all, almost don't even feel like we have the time but when you put money where, yeah when you put money where your mouth is and you you've already spent the money and you've invested <laughs> three four times the amount you'd probably make in an hour at work you're definitely going to pay attention the whole time and you're going to try and sap every minute of value out of that session together as possible but it ended up being such a wonderful thing and it got mm-hmm. us through it and then it got us to a place where we've we've really like not even come close to ever like i I, I just i think we're like skyrocketing since yeah and yeah i would just highly recommend if you're having like any kind of trouble it doesn't have to be like a big thing yeah it's well worth just doing it even even like back to the marriage thing but just doing it before you even considering getting marriage and yeah even if you're in a good spot just do it man because it's kind of like and I, I don't know if this analogy works, but I thought about it in my head. Sometimes it's like you're swimming in like a, a puddle, right? And and you can only see as far as the puddle reaches. And sometimes you need someone else to pour a shit ton of water on the puddle so that you can s- swim even further out to sea. Does that make... The analogy is a bit rough, but it's like you do need an extra... I just had really big deja vu. I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. That was wild. Um, you need an extra helping hand to open up your mind. You're only aware of what you're aware of, right? You only know what you know. And then it's not until someone brings something to your awareness that you're like, oh, okay. And that's kind of what the couples counselor did for us. Yeah, it's the whole principle of zone of proximal development. Like if you don't have someone who is a more knowledgeable other than you, and like at that point, Ashley and I had burnt through all of our reserves for the knowledge we had with dealing with the situation there's no way you could possibly grow and so you need that person who can kind of lend you a hand just outside the realm of your capabilities to just keep testing your limits Um, because if you jump too far you fall but if you jump just enough you're going to nail it and you're going to be able to make that jump and keep taking that step and that next step and that next step and so that's like you need you need that more knowledgeable other to guide you through those steps and just lending a hand to take you that bit bit further that you you would you knew you were capable of but you just yeah you couldn't see it mm-hmm. um yeah even in even if you're in a good spot you know both of you you're, you're all good you're all good you're engaged um, whether it's during engagement or after marriage, things are going to come up for you that you don't even know are going to come up for you. And that might be stuff from your parents' relationships and beliefs that you have about the world and about marriage. And so I just, and it's hard for me to say because I'm so into self-development as well, but there are things that 
are going to be so beneficial for you to be able to go to couples counseling. I was already a huge counseling advocate anyway, and you'd never done counseling before. Um, yeah, that that's sort of a weird one. I, I've definitely done like a couple different forms of counseling. Like I think um, to say I've never done it would be incorrect. I like even as a kid. I'm a liar. <laughs> <laughs> no, like as a kid, like my parents are very spiritual. Um, I I would describe them as like modern age hippies. Mm. And so they like have taken me plenty of times to see different people who you would uh, essentially give them uh, like the context in which I was seeing them in was like a counseling format, even though they may have not been your typical counselor, but we're obviously going through like your inner child things and um, revisiting things in the past. And I always just thought they were so stupid, um, in my honest opinion, as a teenager, this was. Mm. Um, but I was also, like, had a huge inflated ego when I was a teenager. Mm. And, as most teenage boys do, I think. Yeah, and then you, you struggle to see the value in it. And I still went through those things. And I actually believe, honestly believe now I got value from them, even though at the time I thought they were just ridiculous. Mm. But they're, like... A big thing that I used to do all the time, which I took away from those inner child um, sessions, was you would give yourself different um, balloons. And so these balloons, you would imagine yourself filling up like a balloon with a whole bunch of emotion that you may have needed in like a certain situation. So let's say like someone like... Yeah, well, I, I... haven't had too many moments where I needed fear but like let's say you just needed like compassion for someone because you've just been like a super rude person in a scenario which happened all the time for me because I was really blunt and also had this huge ego and so I was more than happy to irrationally put people into their place without considering how they might feel and so let's say you go back to yourself and you kind of you give yourself a huge balloon and you would picture yourself blowing this balloon up full of just compassion and empathy. And you'd, you'd literally be breathing this like air into this imaginary balloon. And then you would kind of just like, as you breathe in, you take a big deep, deep breath in and you would visualize taking the deep breath in and then blowing it out into the balloon. And then you would also let the balloon go. And so that's also like teaching you to also almost forgive yourself in a sense as well. And then you, while you're letting the balloon go, you're taking another big exhale and that's you like letting go of like the, the emotion around it. And, and yeah, it was kind of like an interesting process. But I started applying that to lots of things. Like if I was struggling to sleep at night. Um, and I'm sure like all young kids did, like we're talking like early, early teens. Um, and you might be like, for some reason you got this feeling that there's just something weird in the room and you're just feeling super scared. Um, like, I don't know if other people can relate to that, but I definitely can. I definitely, I've worked with clients through that. Which is so crazy because no one really talks about it, but I used to just get so scared at night while trying to get to sleep to the point where I'd lay there for like an hour until I literally just like fell asleep from exhaustion. But I would just like be so nervous that there was something in the room. And I don't know whether like there's some kind of like weird woo-woo spiritual thing actually happening there and kids are connected to like this other plane that we're unaware of or whether we're just because we're so fresh to this world that 
instinctively darkness is a threat to us because that is a natural um natural thing to be scared of from an evolutionary perspective like it could be either but both make sense um but having those balloons i would literally give myself like a balloon of strength and a, a balloon of confidence and then i would like try and like just give myself these these positive attributes and take these deep breaths and you're essentially practicing like mindfulness in a way and then I would also like picture like this beam of white light almost coming out for me like kind of like Gandalf with his staff against Mm. that big huge um devil creature and the the Lord of the Rings one one. Yeah. yeah and so like picturing that but except for I'm and I would expand that out from from like from my heart out through the room and then I'd picture it like blowing out throughout also the whole entire house as well and then pushing it out into the street and i would always have that visualization of harry potter with the dementors kind of scenario Mm. and so i would like picture that and i'll just be pushing out all that negative energy away from me and so those are and like practicing those things as a kid is going to also give you like really really good skills as an adult in order to be dealing with other people's bullshit and then just letting them go and like almost Mm. having like these defenses up um where you can like experience something and then you can also be like no uh, like that's not going to dictate how i feel for the rest of the day um yeah i'm not even sure how we got there i can't quite we're talking about counseling and your experience with counseling and where you were at um but i still do that to this day i i did that on my yoga mat 45 minutes ago Mm. um it's sometimes and it is it's a a thing that is used with Buddhism and like monks use it for mindfulness. You know, it's drinking this tea. I'm drinking in, I'm drinking whatever I need, love, compassion mm-hmm. and um, swallowing this tea. I'm swallowing love and compassion and, or even just breathing in, breathe like I'm breathing in love right now. And on the exhale, I'm expanding that love out from inside of me too. Mm-hmm. And it does sound a bit woo woo to, to someone who's probably a bit, um, or of a critical thinker. Um, and it's important to point out that Chaz is also a critical thinker, but it's awesome to see that you can look back on these things and say they actually had a profound effect on me. And they are tools that you helped me with when I was going through anxiety and depression and all those things as well. So it's all been super, super beneficial. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to talk about on those topics? Um, I did have a thought pop into my head, but I think I've, I've lost it now. But yeah, no, very, very powerful, powerful tools. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll often like, if I've ever felt like real scared to this day, which doesn't happen often at all, but you always get like, you know, when you're like, your partner wakes you up in the middle of the night and she's like, I heard something. And you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and you know, it's like the husband and the man of the house. You're like, all right, I'm going to get like, you got to grow some balls and you got to check all the doors and you're going to have to walk through the dark. And the whole time you're like inside, you're like, please nothing be there. But at the same time, you're also just like, you kind of like, you're settling yourself through your, through your breaths. Mm. And that's the only way you're going to be able to stay calm through like those high anxious moments. So, so breathing techniques are, are so huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and being able to control your autonomic system through breathing. I've, I've, I've just remembered what my point was going to be. So mm-hmm. being able to control your autonomic system through breathing, breathing, sorry, I'm saying it with a V, breathing, um, is so powerful because it can literally take 
allow you to take control over systems that would normally be out of your control. And what I mean by that is, so let, for instance, like your, your lower brain stem um, controls all of these things you do instinctively. You don't have to think about when your next heartbeat is going to happen. Like your heart does that for you and that's controlled by your lower brain stem. And all these processes that occur within your body that are occurring automatically, the only way you can actually take control of those things is through your breath. And so your breath is this 50-50 split where you can literally be like, no, I'm taking over my breath right now and I'm going to make it breathe the way I want it to breathe. Mm. Or when people go into like a state of panic or anxiety or whatever it might be, the first thing you're going to notice is, is their breath rate is going to increase and it's going to increase quickly. And so if you learn how to have strength and take control and ownership over your breath, you will be able to control the amount of anxiety you're experiencing in those situations and get yourself to a state of more calmness than you were before. And then the other side of that is you can control your thoughts and not letting your thoughts go to like this wild, like frantic place where you're finding every reason that could go wrong. And you, you can kind of go the thought process of, no, like I'm going to find the ways in which I can take control of this moment and mm. dictate what's going to happen next. And so through those two things, you can, you can calm yourself. But breath, breath is literally the key to controlling the autonomic system within your body. Mm, that and it, yeah it's hard for most people don't think about their breathing like our body does that for us and that's something to be grateful for our body for but yes if you can direct your attention to your breathing immediately you're starting to become a bit more present other than already you know what you've already said um and i want to add on top of the the thought process you know you're you're interrupting your thoughts and your thoughts if you let them continue, they create that emotional sensation in your body. And anyone who's ever had trouble sleeping at nighttime is lying in bed and you're just constantly thinking, whether it's about good or bad things, whether it's like fantasizing and not necessarily in the sexual sense, Chaz, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but it could be good or bad and you keep the thoughts going. You literally feel, you feel your heart rate increase or decrease. You feel emotions in certain parts of your body. And so being able to breathe brings you back to a nice state of being. It's a fun game to play too. Like I, I kind of get competitive with myself because like, I, I'm, a, I'm an athlete and I love competition and competing with myself in, in that regard. Like I would do breath techniques where I would essentially hyperventilate in, in a way, but not, not in your traditional sense where you just breathe really fast. Like I would take like a really long breath in and then I would let out my breath quite quickly and then really long breath in. And I would see how long I could get like my breath holds up to. And you get to this really weird, almost high state where you're kind of out of your body when you, when, you, um, when you do this, which is really fun. And so you can have competitions about getting really good at it. And I would also like I have fun with like slapping a heart rate monitor on yourself and then just taking really controlled breaths and watching how low you can get your heart rate is super fun too. Like many times I've gotten just below 50 beats per minute just sitting there just like willing my heart rate to go down by just controlling my breath so yeah you can have fun with it Mm -hmm. 
Now, we have to wrap this one up because I'm looking at the time um, and it's moving fast. Um, and we covered a lot. We went a little different places, but that's what I love having conversations with you. That's why I love having conversations with you because we go to different places. But um, we also covered some really in-depth and deep topics. Mm. Um, so if you're listening and you want to hear more of a certain perspective, a certain area, a certain topic, let us know because... My plan is to have Chaz on every third episode now because his the episode that I had him on um, previously has had the most listens out of all my podcast episodes <laughs> and people are still listening to it even though I posted it two or three weeks ago. So awesome. yeah, it is awesome. You're awesome. Thank you. So, <laughs> so um, do you have anything else to say before we... Pass on, and as long as it doesn't go over eight minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing else to say. Right. Um, if you want to support me, you can jump on to ironwoodwatches.com, buy yourself a watch, and that supports us, us. in creating an awesome future. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's my little small business I've been curating over the school holidays, which has been super fun. I love doing like random projects. So yeah, that's how you can help me and Ashley. And if you you can help Ashley by following the podcast on, we've got it on all platforms yes. now, essentially. So Spotify and Apple and a, a rating or a review is actually also super beneficial for me because it means that it's something that we can continue doing as a couple together. Um, and eventually I can start making money from it so that this is something that I can really pour my heart and soul into. Um, yeah. Which she's already, she's already doing so well at. Um, and yeah, if you, if you're a female out there and you're looking to improve in your relationship and learn about how to better yourself, follow Ashley. She's a coach. Um, she can counsel you through that. Mm-hmm. And that's also another way you can support us and the helping us live the lives we want to live. Yeah, that's it. That's it. All right. Well, thank you so much for jumping on today and thank you for getting like honest and vulnerable and sharing all that. Loved it. Love you. That's my new outro.